Hi, everyone. Anne Louise Gittleman here for the First Lady of Nutrition podcast, where we bring you all of the game changers in my 40 years of nutritional health and healing. Visit me at annelouise.com. Look at all my podcasts, my products, my articles, my interviews, and you'll see all the wonderful game changing people that I've had the pleasure of knowing and getting to interview over the past 10 years. So right now, my special guest is the urban monk himself, whom I'm exceedingly impressed with, Dr. Pedram Shojai, who was a former Daoist monk and who's lectured on wellness all around the world. He's the author of many different books, including the New York Times bestseller, The Urban Monk, and one of his latest, including Trauma. And he's also the producer of multiple films and series. Welcome, Dr. Pedram. Are you traumatized, my friend? Oh, my goodness. Um, who isn't, is the question, right? Um, it's just degrees of trauma, big T, little t, and whether or not I'm ashamed to even admit it because I feel very blessed in my life compared to some, you know, Rwandan refugee who watched their mother get raped. Mm. Uh, yet, uh, you know, the fact that I have trauma and I, you know, uh, feel like I, I'm going to diminish that experience because it's not big enough to talk about puts me in a place where I can swallow it every single day and develop all sorts of issues in my life. So, you know, the long answer to your short question is, of course, I'm, you know, of course I am. Do you think we're all traumatized because of this pandemic? Yeah, I mean, listen, there's little tears in the fabric of our lives and in the universe. And, you know, the pandemic, the, you know, the, the, the crises that are coming, the impending doom of the world, you know, collapsing around us and all the stuff that you hear in the media. I mean, it's all traumatic, right? It's all very traumatic. So what makes you an expert? I mean, I have read many of your books. I'm following you. You're a mind body medicine kind of guy. What makes you so expert with dealing with trauma? You've even written a book and have a series from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, so what happened is we looked at kind of the elephant in the room. Um, you know, I've been in health for a very long time. Um, and, you know, when I, when I looked at the underlying issue for all of the patients that I had dealt with in my entire career, you know, the, the, the thing that, that overwhelmed me was, you know, the thing we can't talk about is the thing we need to talk about. And so I set out on a journey for a couple of years and interviewed the top experts in trauma to figure out very specifically what this is and why we need to look at it in order to truly heal. So are there common denominators of the traumatic experience? I mean, does it have to be a traumatic brain injury? Can it be lesser and greater traumas? And is it just the inability to adapt? And you used the word shame a little while ago. Can you delve into the all that little ocean of words that I've just pr provided for you? The concept of shame, the concept of big traumas, little traumas, and the, the inability to adapt. Yeah, there's a lot around it, right? And so you think of big T traumas as, you know, physical blunt traumas, you get hit in the head, you get shot, you, you know, roll over in your car. It's like, oh, yeah, that, you know, that's drama, that sucks. But what about, you know, the kid that ignored you and didn't let you sit at the, uh, the table in elementary uh... school? And, you know, the, all of the little things that set you off into the directions that your personality has kind of adapted uh, as defenses, Right. And so there's shame, there's blame, there's 
hurt, there's anger, there's so many emotions that come off of this concept of trauma. And, you know, the, the idea that we don't have trauma is dangerous. And the idea that we um, need to just kind of suck it up and move on has led to a bunch of people on Prozac and a bunch of people self-medicating with, you know, all forms of drugs and or Netflix and or porn and or, you know, fill in the blank. And so the real elephant in the room is, okay, so what do we got to do to heal it, you know, by feeling it um, instead of concealing it? So how do you, do you actually have to identify, if you've really stuffed this into your cells or your emotions or your subconscious, how do you actually root that out if you're not consciously aware of it? Yeah, that's a great question. And a lot of it really revolves around leaning into the places where you feel uncomfortable, leaning into the conversations that you don't want to be having, leaning into those things that you tend to avoid, because those are usually good indicators that there's gold right, right under the surface, if you will. Uh, and then, you know, look, if you can't see it, your spouse probably can, right? Your sister knows all about it. And so, you know, we might be good at being uh, in denial, but the people around us who know us and love us, they see it, they see it in us, right? And so, you know, if you if you really don't know where it is, ask your loved ones, ask your parents, ask your spouse, and they'll be like, oh, man, you get really angry when I call you out on X, Y, and Z. What is that, right? And then, mm. then, the, then the game begins. So if somebody has had a traumatic brain injury, and of course, I speak from enlightened self-interest, what does one do for a trauma that doesn't heal? Because a traumatic brain injury, unless you do oxygen therapy, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, I know can linger for years and then gets re-triggered. So what are your five to 10 best remedies, therapies, modalities? Yeah, I mean, I got I got a guy that I love uh, who's doing all sorts of oleic acid stuff um, as, on a supplement level that I've seen amazing results with. Um, HBOT, as you mentioned, is really good. Um, there's a, a guy in our uh, series who is doing kind of DHEA hormone cortisol um, uh, replacement slash enhancement or subjugate. So it's playing with the hormone levels and catecholamine levels in uh, war vets and seeing some really good results, sometimes uh, sometimes doing steroids to bring down inflammation, sometimes supplementing hormones that have been uh, really challenged with, uh, you know, blunt traumas, if you will, explosions and percussion and stuff like that. Uh, there's also some really interesting stuff coming out with targeted exosomes uh, driven by guided ultrasound, driven by laser, going to very specific parts of the brain that are showing really promising uh, results in regeneration and neurogenesis, neo, you know, uh, neogenesis of the neurons in the afflicted area. Um, I also like sensory motor strip activation, things like Tai Chi, Qigong, things that uh, really activate uh, left, right, up, down, hemispheric things that will get the brain to reactivate. Um, and then, uh, you know, from there, just good old nutrition, lots of, lots of omega threes, lots mm. of things that are anti-inflammatory and avoid the inflammatory stuff and avoid the, avoid the inflammatory music, the loud sounds and the, the, the big bangs. That's, like some... that, that's a good one, including rap music, my friend. <laughs> Listen, if it, if it hurts you, it's not good for you. And I talk to people about that all the time. They're like, oh, you know, I'll have a couple drinks. I'm like, well if your liver can't handle that, right? And so different patients, I have patients that can drink, you know, 
through the night and they're fine. I have other patients that probably should never have another drink again, right? So it all depends on you and your circumstance. So when somebody comes to you that's been traumatized, what are the steps you take? I'm coming to you as a new patient. What are the key questions you ask? Yeah, and, and let me, let me uh, place this with a caveat that I haven't been in clinical care in about six years, but I still, you know, I know enough to, to, to answer this question is, look, you know, first off, I mean, when we're talking about blunt trauma, we're talking about emotional trauma, we're talking about a combination of the two, blunt trauma, now I'm going to want to see imaging, I'm going to want to see what the heck happened here, where is the damage, is there any surrounding tissue that's damaged, and um, are we having any neurological deficits, you know, in particular, like if we're talking about, you know, like a head trauma, well, you know, what happened, what other systems are affected, and how can we dance around this um, and coddle it like a baby and come in in a way that this individual can actually receive care, right? Some people do really well with somatic therapies. Some people do really well with brainwave therapies. Um, and some people really need pharmacological intervention, right? So I would be looking at blood panels. I'd be looking at genetic profiles. I would be looking at pretty much anything I could look at to assess the situation. And then based on the person's personality, where they're at, I mean, a lot of these people are suic have suicidal ideation or are super depressed, right? So you have to, you have to meet the person where they're at and then engage in care that, that they could actually, you know, activate in versus, you know, just trying to hit them with a you know, sledgehammer when they've already been traumatized with a bunch of stuff that they're not willing or capable of doing. So you are an accomplished physician of Chinese medicine. Is there anything you find in terms of acupuncture or, or uh, herbal medicines that really assist? Yeah, I look, scalp, scalp acupuncture is uh, probably one of the wonders of the world. Uh, that's how I got into this mess is I was pre-med at UCLA and through my Kung Fu training, I watched someone who was uh, paralyzed from a stroke uh, tosis of the face, everything in a wheelchair, could not walk. Um, old Chinese guy comes up, starts running some needles in their scalp, doing some stuff. Wow. Um, next thing I know, I see the guy's face starting to rise. And uh, within half an hour, he was out of the wheelchair and walking. So and I scalp acupuncture, is this something that traditional acupuncturists learn? Uh, no, it's actually kind of like a specialty. There's, there's not as many of these folks around. Um, so you got to kind of, you know, you got to dig and, 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 and find the right ones, uh, in your town. Uh, but boy, did that get my attention, right? Boy, that would get anybody's attention. That's it. So when you did practice, did you make it a habit of taking the, the pulses and find certain bodily systems were deficient? I know that kidneys are affected by fear, bitterness affects the gallbladder. Did you see a connection there? I did. Um, you know, remarkably, I don't know how, but these guys kind of figured it out in that capacity. And, you know, there were really, really interesting correlations with the emotional energies, if you will, uh, within that paradigm and what they'd be presenting with and the, the kind of symptom clusters that they'd come in with. And, and we do full functional medicine workups and, you know, blood chemistry and labs and, you know, EEGs and everything. Uh, and then we, you know, also had the the layers of Chinese medical diagnosis on top. And I'll tell you, nine times out of 10, uh, you, you'd sit there and scratch your head and say, holy crap, this stuff nailed, this stuff picked it up. You know, I could have, I could have saved this person $3,500 in testing because mm. somehow this Chinese system figured Works. it out 
Thousands right. of years ago. I don't get it. Right. So do you see common patterns of health? You take a traditional blood test. Tell me what you look for. Do you look at cortisol? Do you look at glucose? Do you look at ferritin levels? Do you look at heavy metals? Do you look at minerals? Do you look at liver function, kidney function? What do you look at that a, a normal integrative physician doesn't see? Everything, right? Like, so I'm, I'm looking at everything you mentioned and then some, right? We're looking at genetic markers. Um, you know, you mentioned ferritin. It's an interesting one, right? Because if you look at ferritin and cholesterol um, more so as primary inf inflammation, inflammatory markers, really, um, you know, over the, the course of the last decade or so, it's been fascinating uh, to watch in my career how all roads lead to the microbiome, all roads lead to biofilm. And certain inflammatory markers that are coming off of the bacteria or viruses within our, our digestive tract for the most part that are, are kicking out inflammatory signals, right? Um, you know, the butyrates and the things that are supposed to come off, the conjugation of, of hormones and all the things that are supposed to happen in a healthy microbiome. When you find a dysbiotic environment um, in a patient, and I challenge most people to not find a dysbiotic, you know, environment in a patient, um, you will start to follow that in to some very interesting um, understanding of why this person's system has gone awry. And a lot of times, I'm not saying all the time, but a lot of times, the issue isn't with the primary organ systems. The issue is with this Frankenstein biofilm that has genetic information from bacteria and viruses that aren't even you that are coding for all kinds of end results that your traditional doctor is chasing around with statins and you know beta blockers and anti-inflammatories it's just it's it's quite a mess and you know the functional medicine world has really caught on to this and i think it's i think it's going to lead to uh, a real renaissance in medicine uh, in the coming years so do you see, see a lot of stealth infections with all these traumatized people? I mean, are we looking at H. pylori, EBV, the mycoplasma world? Are we looking into chlamydia, pneumonia? Are you looking at those types of things that just simmer in the background? So uh, very specifically, yes. And how the body has almost created a, a, a new form of autoimmunity to bacteria and viruses that we're harboring. Um, I personally... Uh, tested and found, I used to have ear infections as a kid and what they do, they throw amoxicillin at me. And so now I have antibody formation to staph and, uh, to staph and strep that are, um, you know, uh, still the gift that keeps on giving. E you know, EPV, I've taken a cyclovir just to knock out old viral infections that aren't expressing, but are still causing problems in a system that, you know, if you don't look at these things, that was the, that, you know, I had some ferritin levels that had gone up. We tested for hemochromatosis. We tested for all this stuff. What it wasn't there. Were, what level were you, you know, I've written about this. In, in the 700s, going up into the 800s at times. And then yeah, we, just like one of my recent clients who has a great deal of tooth and oral infections. Yeah. So, and my wife's a dentist and, you know, we did all, we got all the metal out of my mouth and all that. It wasn't that. And it was, well, I live in Park City, Utah. Maybe it's because you moved up into altitude, um, but it started at sea level. And so, you know, you just start following the smoking gun. And for me, and, you know, again, if you're listening to this, this, this isn't just, you know, a lot of people do this. They're like, oh, that's me. And they, that's what I have careful because, you know, every one of us is different. But for me in particular, it was staph strep and EBV. 
and you knock it out and the ferritin levels go down. Magic. Wow. Staff strep and EVV. So do you see the bacteria and virus of the two smoking guns? And before we continue, I want to thank yet once again, my wonderful sponsors, UnikeyHealth.com, the home of all my formulations, including BioBuilder, MagKey, and Super GI Cleanse, as well as CS-Health.com, the home of the only official activated sulforaphane products for internal and external body and beauty care. Thank you so much, my wonderful sponsors. Yeah, I mean, on top of uh, on top of that, it would be the toxic sludge uh, of the world that we live in, right? And so, you know, if your detox pathways are compromised, if your body is incapable of moving um, the the junk out, then it starts to bioaccumulate. The mitochondria start to collapse upon themselves. The immune system doesn't have enough energy, and you know, you start to you start to fall backwards. And then, you know, I, name a bacteria, name a virus, name an opportunist organism or organism that is just you know kind of next in line that could jump on a sick animal, right? A sick animal can't defend itself, and so, you know, to me, it's a it's a it's a function of microbiome. Um, and detoxification in almost 90% of the patients I see in, in a functional medicine capacity. So what do you use for detoxification? Uh, it depends on the individual, right? I mean, if we're talking heavy metals that need... Uh, and do you, you look, and here's my other question, if I may jump in. Yeah. With this traumatized voice here, do you, do you look at uh, blood type? Does blood type have anything to do with this? I've seen some correlation, but not a smoking gun. Um, I'm, I'm willing to be convinced otherwise. Um, you know, for me, I've seen, look, I don't care what kind of patient it is in my experience. If, if certain markers are high, uh, you know, especially mercury, arsenic, you know, some of the big bads, uh, you're just going to have compromise. Now, whether, you know, a type O has a little bit more susceptibility to a B plus, I've, I've seen some of those arguments. I don't know enough to say one's right or one's wrong. I've just seen, I've just seen anyone with those numbers being compromised in a way that, you know, look, I don't care what you're doing. You could go get stem cells every week. You can do all sorts of HBOT and all these things. If you can't take out the trash, you're going to have marginal results. And so to, to answer your previous question, anywhere from, you know, IV chelation to oral chelation to, you know, supplemental like Quicksilver, some of those types of things, or just like, look, look you need a lot more cilantro in your life. Um, and, 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 you know, working people backwards into the least, you know, from the least invasive up. But, you know, uh, if you don't clean out the kitchen, it's hard to bring in new groceries. And I, th I think that that is something that um, is often overlooked because people are trying to boost a system um, instead of giving a system a fighting chance by getting the toxins out first. So your favorite binders, do you use a particular binder to get rid of the toxins? Do you use an acetylcysteine slow release? Do you use a glutathione liposomal? What are your favorite remedies? Yeah, I mean, I like EDTA, DMSA for some. Um, again, depending on if the system could take it, could depending yes, on- Yes, I was um, going to say that, that. Those are tough ones for a sensitive person. Those are very rough for sensitive people. Um, but if you can take it, it's the quickest way to take out the trash, as you know. Um, that said, um, glut liposomal glutathione's um, uh, suppository glutathione. I like pushing glutathione through um, IV. 
mm. um, and and really helping uh, the the person's system kind of conjugate out if they don't have sulfur issues, they don't have methylation issues. Sometimes some patients have a very hard time with that. Um, uh, I think NAC can work. I think um, I, there are a number of botanicals that I've found to be uh, effective for a small subset of the population. My problem is, you know, and I, and I have, uh, you know, a colleague that'll do all the genetic testing and work it. Like I said, I haven't been in clinic in a minute. So, so what the, do you, what do you do, Dr. Pedram? You just make documentaries and write books. That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> what I run a, a life. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's still work. It's a different kind of work. <laughs> no, it is. Um, I, you know, I'm, ten, I don't know, eight or 10 films and series into my career. I've written eight books and now I have a, a streaming platform called whole.tv where we have, you know, hundreds of titles and, you know, I've, I don't know, it's, I'm, I'm a guy that walks around on the phone, um, finding the best practitioners and putting cameras on them now because I, I realized a while back that we were losing the propaganda war um, and, you know, people were getting sicker faster than we could fix them. And the model was built around waiting for people to break and then spending triple and a lot of heartache and a lot of family pain to resolve issues that could have been prevented in the first place. And so I realized there's plenty of good clinicians out there. I used to be one myself, um, but no one was really fighting the fight for us on, on the messaging and propaganda. You know, we're just getting negative propaganda and people being taught to, you know, eat what they want and take Prilosec. And so I had to throw my hat in that ring. So you've, you've really been at a point now of educating and enlightening the public. So tell me about the game-changing research. Anything else you can mention with regard to trauma? Yeah, I mean, the 10-part series we did, it's on Whole TV, and it is... So it's Whole, it's, is that Whole.TV? Yep, yeah, W-H-O-L-E.TV, and it's a 10-part series on trauma, and um, it is... And what did you learn? It, tell me what you learned. You said something about oleic acid therapy, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot I learned on the emotional side. I think some of the most innovative kind of mind body somatic therapies um, showed the most promise. I think that ketamine and MDMA assisted psychotherapy is some of the most exciting stuff I've ever seen. Um, and there is some incredible research coming out showing, um, you know, very, very uh, impressive results with veterans and people who have been, you know, big T traumatized um, in ways that I, you know, this, the psych psychiatric community hasn't seen ever. And so it's turning a lot of heads. I have a psychiatrist, um, you know, we're looking at, you know, getting involved in a couple of these clinics just because I have uh, never seen results like this before. Um, I think talk therapy is great. If you're talking to the right person with trauma informed psychotherapy, I think if you've been talking to the same person for five years and are just marginally better, maybe it's time to shop. Right. Um, there, there, there's a lot out there and there's a lot of people that really, um, shouldn't be working in the trauma space because they're just not um, informed enough. And we've learned that, you know, the hard way by, you know, interviewing so many experts, you know, I really walked away saying, man, I think the, the countless millions of lives could have been saved in the last 20 years um, from suicide alone, right? Um, just by having some of these better interventions available. Um, and, you know, we just, it was, it's been very medieval our approach to trauma. And um, like I said, we're in a renaissance now. 
there are some incredible innovations that we're seeing with some of these psychedelic psychotherapies. Like I said, psilocybin is incredible. Interesting. Uh, interesting. Yeah. And fascinating fat. Like if you look at the results, you have to do a double take because um, there's never been anything like it. Right. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but, and, and, and just to be clear, the psilocybin stuff is still experimental. Um, but most people in the know uh, feel that psilocybin will become legalized within the next year or two oh, because the results are saving lives. What about other psychotropic medicines? Is there a role for that? There are a lot of people that are on the benzodiazepines. Do you feel that that's appropriate for certain people? 100%. Listen, there is a, an amazing uh, array of information, uh, support, help, and everything out there. There's psychiatrists that are doing their best trying to help people. And Benzos help people, right? Like I, I'm not uh, uh, like some you know hippie herbal purist in any in any regard. You know, having been around all of this stuff, these medicines work. Um, I just think that oftentimes they're over prescribed or uh, misprescribed for the wrong types of cases, and there's not really an approach towards resolution. There's just medication and you know see you later. And so I think that I think the the framework and the paradigm need to shift. And the drugs are all great to have in our arsenal. So what do you do on a daily basis? If we were to look in your refrigerator, what would we find? <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm usually fasting in the mornings um, and then, you know, having some, you know, like a protein vegetable lunch and dinner, um, you know, kids are off to school. And I, we like to have our bigger meal around dinner, but just because of the kids, um, you know, and I'm typically on phone calls, um, you know, signing films or, or, you know, organizing master classes for our platform writing sometimes. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I take a lot of time to meditate. I was a monk for years. I, I, I skied 63 days last season. Um, I spent a lot of time outdoors getting my head straight because, um, you know, I need to make good decisions for a lot of people. Um, and I can't do that without self-care, right? I can't do that um, without making sure that I am practicing what I preach um, and living the lifestyle that we espouse on our networks. Your first book, I want to just go backwards a little bit. <clears throat> it was called The Urban Monk. What was that about? Did that lead to trauma in some way? So that was my second book. My first book was called Rise and Shine, which then got republished uh, later into um, Inner Alchemy. But The Urban Monk was really about getting after this notion um, that I think is a real kind of misread of, of scripture from the, from the East in particular, that we you know, need to feel guilty because we couldn't get to 90 minutes of yoga today and our lives aren't built like that of an ascetic. And a lot of these traditions, ascetic traditions, um, you know, that's less than 1% of the population, India, China, and, you know, Nepal, Tibet. These are the ones that like, you know, renounced the world and went off and had all day to do this stuff. But mm -hmm. as householders, we live in a paradigm where, you know, I got mouths to feed. I got dogs to walk. I got a bunch of crap going on. A new on. little puppy I hear in the background. Oh yeah. She won't stop. Yeah, exactly. I, just, I locked her out of the office. And now she's 
right? And that's like, that's just, that's life, right? That's These, life. Yes, that's indeed. life. And so for someone who, you know, feels guilty about not being some sort of super enlightened guru when they have, you know, three mouths to feed and dogs to walk, it's just an unreasonable expectation. So how can one be an urban monk? How can one build mindfulness into their day-to-day in a way that is additive and supportive of their lifestyle and, you know, helps them pay their bills and have less stress versus thinking they have to live two lives and have an alter ego and, and just all, always feeling the distress of not being able to be perfect in all these categories. So it's just, you know, it, it was my, um, it was my attempt to bring some cold, hard reality and some honest conversation around this spiritual movement where everyone's pretending to be someone they're not and everyone's stressed out about their spirituality and, you know, having been a monk and lived uh, as a non-monk, um, you know, I got to see the, the, the juxtaposition of those lifestyles and really, you know, had to reconcile that for people. And, you know, the book's in 30 languages. It's a New York Times bestseller. It definitely struck a chord. Definitely. And, um, you know, it, it still, it speaks to And it people. was one of your first books, which yeah. is a major triumph in and of itself. My 18th book became a New York Times bestseller <laughs> and I was an overnight success. Yeah. Try and try again. That's it. <laughs> um, it's yeah. And, and look, it, it was, it struck the right chords because I think that there's just a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of like, you know, memes and quote cards and just a bunch of crap in that like personal development spirituality space. And really no one's willing to get real and, you know, get their hands dirty and be like, yo, I got to get out there and scoop dog poop and I've got, you know, work to do today. And so how do I do that and keep a smile on my face? Right. Um, and, and, and so I think, you know, just getting real is a really important part of all of this. And so you've been very real, <laughs> very, very real. Have you been traumatized in your life? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I we escaped revolutionary Iran with the and, shirts. And on I never knew that. I find that. And how old were you when that happened? I was three. My my uncle got rounded up and machine gunned down. Another a cousin oh, of mine my. was in Evin prison. And why? And why was that? Uh, so you know, when 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 a revolution happens, it's a lot of different factions that jump in and say we want change. And so, you know, my uncle was part of the, like the, the kids who wanted communism. And then the, the Islamist guys um, had a better plan. They raided the military barracks and the, the army headquarters. And when it was all said and done, they had the guns and they killed everyone else, right? Oh my real, gosh. Real politique. And so, you know, my mom's brother was, you know, executed as we were leaving. And my, you know, so, so it's like, of oh. course I had trauma. Of course I had oh. trauma. I was, you know, my folks, God bless their souls. They, they, you know, they insulated us as much as they could. And, you know, worked hard to put food on the table, having lost all their money and started over. And, and I was a brown kid in a lot of white schools and I learned how to fight and I learned, you know, it made me gritty. And, you know, I, you know, the, my trauma has helped transform me into the guy that I am, but, you know, it also has helped me learn about trauma so that I don't kick it downstream into my children. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what, gave me the grit to be the guy that I became and then be probably became a monk because of all those, you know, experiences and healed a bunch of stuff and, you know, still have a bunch to heal. Um, also gives me a very trauma informed parenting perspective. Mm. 
for the father of two young children. And we just put out a series, a 10 part series, nine part series on conscious parenting on whole TV. And, um, you know, talk about a, another big subject, right? Is, you know, you don't, these kids don't come with instruction manuals. And, no, indeed not. And, and yeah, the trauma we picked up from our folks, man, that is going straight to them unless we get mindful and we stop it, right? Yes. And, and to become aware, number one, you need that awareness and you need the proper tools. Number two, does your book trauma provide all the proper tools? Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we summed up, uh, I think very, very well. Um, a lot of the, the trauma-informed therapies, a lot of the tools, a lot of stories, a lot of the inspirational stuff that's out there and really helped our readers, um, and, the, and the book goes hand in hand with this 10-part series and our viewers, really understand that A, it's okay, B, yes, you probably have it, and C, it's not going anywhere until you address it right? There is no pill that makes trauma disappear, right? It, it'll make it, you know, it'll anesthetize you. You know, you could, you could make the pain go away for a while, but the root of it has to be, you know, you gotta, you gotta feel it and you, and it feels terrible. It feels agonizing to think I got to go back and relive that experience. And, the, and, and the, the answer is you don't have to relive it. There's just so much charge around it that it feels that way. But if you engage in your history in a way that, you know, the, the, the sciences move, the psychology has moved, the psychiatry has moved. There's a lot of, a lot of innovation in this field and people are actually getting helped in a way that, you know, just wasn't necessarily kind of mainstream available even 10 years ago. Um, I promise you, if you, if you know, you got it. And if you're listening to this and you're nodding your head, you know, you got it. We all got it. And it just feels terrifying to go back there. I promise you um, read the book, watch the series and learn how to engage it in a way that makes you drop this sack of rocks that you've been carrying your whole life so that you can be free. So you can transcend and transform trauma, bottom line. 100%. 100%. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, like, I can't do that for you. No, I wish you, you know, could, by the way. I, I wish you could. I wish I could just take a pill. That's it. But see, you know, and, you know, the more, the more you I'm like so get, many like, of my, my patients, we just want to take a damn pill. I know. I know. But you know what? Somehow I don't make the rules. If you believe in a God or a creator or just, you know, a rule maker for this universe we live in, somehow that's just not part of how it's supposed to get done mm. because it takes away our agency. It takes away our personal responsibility to heal our own lives and be in our own power. And so somehow, you know, we have to be involved in our own healing. Again, um, it's less convenient. Intimately <laughs> like involved. Yeah, intimately involved. I love it. So thank you so much for being my guest today, Pedram. Will you come back? Happy to. Great conversation. Love hanging out with you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure meeting you and hanging out with you online. And I want to thank all of my listeners for putting up with my traumatized voice, which I'm definitely working on with too many podcasts these days. A peaceful, loving, and non-traumatic week. Be well. Shalom. Please don't forget to subscribe and like First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Thank you so very much.